Welcome to One Chapel. We're a family of neighborhood churches in the Austin area. Our vision is to help people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. It's a place to connect, grow, and serve the communities where we live. You can learn more about One Chapel and how to get involved at onechapel.com. And now, here's this week's message. Wow. Okay, good. Hey! You got me this morning. Oh, you're, you're kind. You're kind. If, if you've not been here before, uh, I'm Lisa Kirby. Pastor Russ is not here this morning. He's, he's guest speaking at one of his four, the four churches that he planted in Wisconsin this morning, but he will be back next week. So if you're new, make sure you come back because you're going to want to hear him because he's got just such a gift of teaching and it will grow you and nourish you and strengthen you. So be sure to come back. Hey, how about that Koinonia Festival? I'm kind of stoked about that. Yeah, it sounds like a, like a holy Woodstock or something, you know? It's going to be good. I want to be there for that. Um, okay, so uh, like I said, I'm Lisa Kirby. I am 32 years married to the Chris Kirby, the intelligent, generous, kind-hearted, hardworking, wonderful man, also smoking hot, Chris Kirby. <laughs> And uh, yeah, yeah, that little goatee that he has, he wears that just because I like it, which I think is really, I think it's nice. We have um, three uh, young adult children and they're, they're just as cool as their daddy is. Uh, they're smart and they're kind and they're wise and deep beyond their years and they love people and we just think they're the greatest things that ever happened to us and, and that we ever had a hand in. Um, so I am one of the pastors here on staff, and one of my most joyous responsibilities here is to help people get connected to smaller groups of people where they can be loved and have, just have joy in relationships, where they can grow in Christ-likeness. And I tell you, I dig that stuff because I am a huge believer in the value of connection and community, because we were made for deep relational connections with God and deep relational connections with each other, and that is always part of the body of Christ. So if you're just showing up here on a Sunday morning, I'm inviting you right now to join you a group. Go online, onechapel.com. All of our groups are there. Come talk to me. I will help you find the one that fits you well. If you want to lead a group, talk to me about that too, because I'll help you with that. would love to um, see you get connected. Uh, or see or see you lead something that God's putting on your heart. So all about that. So my message this morning is, is kind of around that topic. It's, it's entitled Living in the Light. Living in the Light. And by the way, the lights here are very bright. But I, so I'm living in the light this morning. I, I do like, I can barely see your faces, but I, I anyway. Um, anyway, but my, my hope for today is is that what I say will help foster a culture in one chapel where we are increasingly free to be fully known in both our gifts and our strengths and also in our weakness and our sin. And my prayer today 
is that God will release a revelation of just how amazing and good his grace is for you. Because I believe that if you really get a hold of the goodness of the grace of God and how he sees you, that it will then free you to be fully known in relationships. And I think that that's really important because that freedom is vital to the transforming work that God does in us through the body of Christ. So um, if any of you know me at all, you know that I'm sometimes uh, shockingly open about my struggles, my sin, my still not fully sorted out parts, and um, that's intentional. It's intentional uh, for a lot of reasons, but I, you know, and I'm, I'm open. I'm open about like the silly things, like the quirky Lisa things, like like that uh, my eyebrows are disappearing because of menopause, or or that I don't always do my laundry very often. And so sometimes I'll wear the same clothes without washing them multiple times. And like the other day, it was just on Thursday, actually. Um, remember, I, it's Wednesday night, I, I got ch- a bunch of chili on my T-shirt. But then Thursday morning, I wanted to wear that T-shirt because it matched this, uh, this top that I was going to wear over it because it had this, like, yellow thing. And so, and so I just turned it around and I wore it backwards because... <laughs> Because it worked and it matched and, and I just spray a lot of perfume and we just go, we just go. So it worked fine. I don't, I, well, I did tell on myself, but everybody loved it and they high-fived me. So, but, so I'll tell on myself about the silly things, but also I'm pretty open about my sin struggles as well. And also the things that Jesus has delivered me from, because I'm always in process here. And, and so, you know, I, I, I like to be pretty specific too. I mean, I like to be, I, I, I like to tell you the stuff. I like to. Because if I'm just vague about what God's done for me, if I just say, yes, Jesus has forgiven me my sin. I mean, it's true. I don't know how much impact it has on your life. I mean, maybe some. But, but I think there's power in the specificity. Not, I mean, you know, there's a limit to the specificity, right? But there's power when I say, Jesus forgave me of years of using my sexuality to try and get the deepest needs of my heart met, right? He delivered me from a spirit of seduction. And now I have a relationship with him that is so good and so full of love that it has, it has filled the canyon of unmet needs in my childhood and it's better than anything else and I value it above anything else in the world right that has some impact am I right right and so so I'm I'm intentionally open because because I know I don't need to be ashamed I don't need to be ashamed that, I mean, that Jesus covered me I don't I don't have to be ashamed about the things that he's done I think it just actually makes his grace and his goodness and his glory more, more glorious, right? If you actually know the stuff, you're like, wow, that's, that's amazing, right? God is good. Like he covered that stuff. Are you kidding me? That's so cool. And, and I think the other thing is it's intentional because I think it gives other people hope, right? Like if he can cover me in that and they actually know what that is, 
then, then maybe they go, well, heck, maybe you can cover me and my stuff too. Like that, right? And so it, I think it imparts the grace of Jesus to the world when we're, when we're open and honest like that. Authenticity and vulnerability break the power of shame and open the door for genuine, powerful, life-giving relationships that work with the Spirit of God to bring transformation into our lives. Let's look at 1 John 1, 5 through 10. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Do you see that in verse 7? If we walk in the light, we have fellowship with each other and his blood covers us. So here's my only fill in the blanks for those of you that have notes. One, because of the blood of Jesus, which covers our sins, we can have a fellowship, fellowship with one another where we are fully known. I'm sorry, that's actually, that's actually kind of not great sentence structure, but whatever. Okay, number two, our true selves, the good and the still being made whole and holy can be in the light with one another. And three, and walking in the light like this allows us to experience the love of God and the transforming power of truth through the body of Christ. Listen, there is power in being authentic and vulnerable in relationships in the body of Christ. I know a lot of you have experienced this in Catalyst and in Forever Freedom and other groups, Chris and I have as well. Um, but one of my first uh, introductions to the power of transparency and authenticity was in a group that Chris and I were part of and then led uh, some time ago. And our introduction to that group was actually on a Sunday morning when a, a man in about his mid-50s got up and um, he shared that he had been part of this group and um, and that he had been addicted to pornography pretty much his whole life. And that it, it had stolen 25 years of intimacy and, and real connection with his, with his wife and in his marriage. And it had, and really it had, it had stolen intimacy and connection in his relationship with God because he lived in so much shame in all that time. He's a Christian man all this time, right? And, um, and, and his, his plight is not at all uncommon, right? It's just, it's not at all uncommon. But, but that God, he, this is what he shared. This was his testimony, that God had delivered him. He had freed him from, from these years of addiction. Now, he was walking out that freedom with, with 
with other people, but God had set him free. And this was the amazing thing to me. The guy had zero shame. He, I mean, he just didn't have any shame. And it was the most beautiful thing I have ever seen, I think, on a Sunday morning. It just made my day. I was like, what is this? This is like the coolest thing I have ever seen. Like the glory of God. Woo, there it is, the glory. That was good. Do some more of that, Lord. Uh, the glory of the Lord was just on him, and it was so great. And, and so we, we became part of this, this, uh, this group, and, and one of the distinguishing aspects of this particular group was just, just this very raw, open honesty with each other in this small group setting about our struggles, our sin, the things that God was bringing up and showing us that they just needed to be made whole and holy. You know, and, and so as we confess those things, we, you'd, you'd say the thing that you thought you could never say to anybody in the, ever because you had so much shame around it or just because it was just so weird or whatever, or you felt like a pervert or whatever. And I mean, I said things there that I'd never said to anybody ever. And, and this is what happened. People, people hurt. Nobody ran out of the room. People, <laughs> they just heard us, and then they prayed for us, and then we were healed. And Chris and I got so much healing and freedom and deliverance in that time period. And we saw so many people just set free from lies that they believed about themselves their whole lives. And addictions that were just draining life from them and from their relationships. And from sexual stuff and relational stuff and shame and just a whole host of other life-robbing sins. And, you know, he's still working on the Kirby's because we ain't Jesus yet. And so he's still, you know, it's the way it works. If you walk with him, he just, he keeps transforming you. Whether you've walked with him a day or a decade, he always has more for us. He always has more transformation and this thing of, of being open and honest and confessing our sins is he works through that to make us whole. And so this group that, uh, that Chris and I are doing right now is actually a marriage group. And, you know, we're, we're the leaders of it, but we're showing up being pretty, pretty open about, about our challenges. And, um, and, you know, we're finding that as we as we're willing to um, acknowledge the things that the Lord shows us, that he heals our brokenness and he begins really to, to restore our ability to really love each other well. Because we've got patterns. We've got patterns of disharmony, which is a nice way of saying that we, we have reoccurring fights about stuff. And... Uh, but. But we're finding, because we're willing to look, we're finding that that a lot of those patterns are rooted in, in really in childhood trauma and unmet needs and hurts and things, places where the enemy lied to us or got a hold or put up a wall or did a thing, you know, and, and that those things are still affecting us and our ability to love each other well. But as, we, as he shows us those things and we're able to, to acknowledge them and bring them into the light, he's, he's bringing healing and restoration. It's not all happening overnight. We've been married 32 years. He's still working on us. 
But more and more and more, we go from glory to glory and glory and glory. Transformation is what happens in the Christian life. And I'm telling you, if it's not happening in your life, I want to plead with you to open your heart. To open your heart to some other people and let them battle with you on some stuff. So if we live in the light, we have fellowship. Jesus prayed for us to be one. He prayed for us to be one, y'all. One. Like he and the Father are one. Come on. The the Holy Trinity, the oneness that the Holy Trinity has together, that's what he wants for us. Okay, Are are we talking about some kind of unhindered, like all-knowing, like full-on, it's... Fearless vulnerability and knowing. And a connection, a fullness of love that the, Holy, that the Holy Trinity has with each other. He wants us to have that. That requires our true selves being brought to the table. Because the only way to be fully known or being fully known is the only way to experience being fully loved. Because if I only present to you my good parts, my Sunday polished self, right? And you respond in acceptance and love. Well, that's only going to penetrate so far in terms of meeting my deep need for connection and love and acceptance, right? It's, it's actually the messy parts that are most in need of love. It's the broken things. It's the sin things that most need the grace of Jesus. And you're the one who can, who can minister that grace to me right? If you love me, even when you know where I'm broken. And, and that's what we get to do for each other because Jesus lives in us. He lives in us. And so, so when, when, we, when we hear the sin or the struggle or we find out something about somebody else, it, it, we get to extend his grace to them and tell them they're forgiven and, and that they can be set free and that he has good for them and encourage them, give them hope and love them well. but our stuff has to be acknowledged and addressed. Okay, so what's the problem with this? Somebody tell me what the problem is. What's the problem with being authentic in a group? Come on, somebody shout it out. Vulnerability, Vulnerability, why? Why is that a problem? Fear, Fear, exposure, (laughs) judgment, rejection, none of us, shame. Thank you, brother. That's right. None of us... None of us wants that, right? And shame is the sense that uh, if I'm fully known, I mean, if people really, if they really know me, because really there's probably something wrong with me. And so if people really know me, they're going to reject me. They're going to judge me. That's what shame does. Adam and Eve had it. That's another story I can't share, but I wanted to. Um, But since we were created for love, we feel like our only option with shame in the game is to hide, right? But shame is covered by the grace of Jesus. And so we don't have to fear other people's rejection. We don't have to fear their judgment. I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. And I'm not saying that it won't happen sometimes. Because... 
because people are human and we're still getting a hold of the grace of Jesus. And we're still learning to see ourselves and other people through his eyes. But when we do, it changes everything. It changes how we see ourselves and how we deal with our own sin. And it changes how we see other people and how we deal with theirs as well. And so this word grace, we're always talking about the word grace. We're always talking about grace of God. The grace of God uh, is, you know, wonderful. It's, It's the unmerited favor of God. I heard that my whole life, grew up in church and heard that word. But I didn't, and I kind of got it, but I didn't really grasp it in a way that transformed me until I had an experience with the Holy Spirit that I want to tell you about because I'm hoping and I'm praying that the revelation that I got there will translate into your hearts as well and it'll set you free. So, about 10 years into um, Chris and my marriage, I had this thought that, uh, that there was something missing in, in, in our intimacy with each other. Not, not so much the physical intimacy, but the spiritual and emotional aspects of that intimacy. And so I had this other thought that, well, maybe, maybe it was like all these relationships, all these illegitimate relationships that both of us had had prior to marriage, maybe those were interfering with somehow our like deep spiritual connection and emotional connection and whatnot. And so, and this was, by the way, this was before I knew anything about soul ties or I I think it was like even before I really knew that the Holy Spirit like spoke to me and that these ideas were actually his thoughts. But anyway, so I I have this thought. And so, so, so I had this idea that um, every time I had a memory of one of those situations or people or an image in my mind, that I would say to the Lord, Lord, would you, would you please forgive me of that? And would you cleanse me of the effects of that sin? Okay. And so, because I mean, I had, before I came, before we got married and, and I'd come to Jesus, I, I had, you know, asked for forgiveness of all that mess sort of in general, but I hadn't never really dealt with all the specifics. And so I just thought I would do this thing. And so that's what I did. And I did it for a couple of years. And every time a memory, an image, a thought or whatever would come up in my mind, I would just say, Lord, will you forgive me of that? And will you cleanse me from all the effects of that sin? And um, I did that for a couple of years. And then one morning I was in my bathroom and I was getting ready to go somewhere. And I, I did the same thing I'd done a whole bunch of times before. And all the times I'd ever done it before, there was nothing. I mean, I, there was no like whiz bang. There was no, you know, tinglies. There was nothing happened at all. It was just, I did the thing, right? And, but this time... This time, I, you know, I had a memory, and I said, Lord, will you forgive me of that? Will you cleanse me from all the effects of that sin? And that time, the Holy Spirit filled my bathroom. He wrapped himself around me with such a love. And this is what he said. Not in my ear, but in my spirit, he said, Oh, baby. I've known you since the beginning. And I, I've seen every way that the enemy has tried to destroy you. And I know what you were looking for. You were looking for me. And I am telling you, 
in those words, there was, I wish I could translate to you how much love there were in those words. It wasn't like he was condoning my sin at all. It's just that there was zero, nada, no condemnation at all in his voice. None. He wasn't mad at me at all. Not even a little bit. And this phrase that he said, I've known you from the beginning and I've seen all the ways that the enemy has tried to destroy you. In that phrase was like he understood. He understood that he understood all of the significant places of pain in my life, all the places where the enemy had really brought destruction and was trying to destroy me, and particularly the the absence of my father and his love and his affection and and, and the things that a little girl needs from a daddy. He understood that there was a legitimate need that was there and that I was going about trying to meet this very legitimate need in an illegitimate way, an unsuccessful way, through all these relationships. And, and, and he's like, he got it. He wasn't mad. It wasn't like he was saying, like, do not sin. Like, so bad. I mean, it wasn't, that's not the way he does. You know, it, it just, he has, he just, he has better for us. Now, I w- I'll tell you what, I was so overcome by this. I laid on my bed for like, I don't even know how long, just crying these big, like, alligator tears into my ears until they were, like, stopped up. It was, but it changed me. It changed how I relate to God, and it changed, it changed how I relate to myself. It changed how I relate to people, because I see now. I see with eyes of grace. I get it, you know, and it changed my relationships. And I'll tell you what, this thing of grace, this, this thing that I experienced, this is not just me. It's in the scriptures as well, um, all over the place. But one of my favorite places is in John 8, the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And I don't have time to, to read that whole story to you. But this is what happened. I just want to give you a brief overview. So this woman was caught in adultery, the act of adultery. Don't ask me how she was caught in the act of adultery by herself, but Whatever. It's only a woman that was caught in the act of adultery. Anyway, so I don't know how that happens. But anyway, woman caught in the act of adultery. They, like, she's surrounded. The, the, these religious people all bring her. They bring her to Jesus, and she's surrounded. Everybody's, like, ready to stone her because that's what you do for people back then, that the law required that, that they're stoned. Adultery, stoning. That's the law. And so these people all bring her, and they're like, Jesus, what, what should we do? They're trying to trick him, but Jesus is too smart. And so Jesus, you know, you heard the story about how he writes in the sand. I'm like always wondering, did he write, where's the dude? I don't know. It's a wild guess, but probably not. Probably not. He's, anyway, uh, but he's writing the sand. And then he, then he says to him, he goes, okay, so who, whoever here, whatever one y'all don't have no sin, y'all throw the first stone. That was a Texas version. And, of course, everybody leaves, starting with the oldest, because when you're older, you have more humility because you've seen your whole life that maybe there isn't sin there. But they all leave, 
And then Jesus, just, just him and the woman, and he, then he says to her, Dear woman, where are those who condemn you? And she looks up, and she looks around. She's like, they're, they're, not, they're not here. And Jesus says, yeah, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. But I have to tell you, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure that the tone in his voice when he said, dear woman, was pretty much like, oh, baby. That it was, that it was a tone of great love. And, and really what he was saying to her, he said, go and sin no more. He wasn't, he wasn't, there wasn't a, an ounce of punishment in his voice, an ounce of shame. He wasn't like, look, girl, you know, don't you know, like, you get pregnant, you get a venereal disease, like, you better straighten up your act, like, none of that. He, what he was saying to her, he just said, go. And you've got to remember, this is, this is the crazy thing. I just heard this recently. It just rocked my world. Jesus, according to Hebrews 1.3, is the exact representation of the nature of God. So that's how he sees us. He hadn't, Jesus hadn't even died on a cross yet. Whoa, we weren't even covered by the blood of the lamb at that point. It's the nature of God not to punish but to give grace. And what he's saying, what he's saying to her is, look, look, baby. (laughs) Sin is killing you. Sin is... It's sucking life out of you. It's destroying you. I've got so much more for you. I've got such good for you. You have no idea how much good I have for you. You you have no idea how glorious you were created to be. And I can give you that. But this stuff, will you just get rid of this because that's killing you? And come over here and... Just obey me. I, I, I'll lead you into life. I'll lead you into life now and life eternal. It'll be the most satisfying thing that you've ever seen. You'll look more and more like my son, who is glorious and perfect and loves perfectly. And is full of life and is full of joy, is full of freedom. Do you ever wonder? Do you ever wonder that maybe, maybe there's more for you? You wondering? That maybe in the Christian life, you're kind of, sometimes you're ever kind of like, mm, I don't know, it's not that great. <laughs> I mean, I mean, really, I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering if sometimes that's because really we're just, we're just not open up ourselves to his transforming work and his power. We're, we're not living open-hearted with him, and we're not living open-hearted with each other. So we can't really do that work of transforming us. From glory to glory to glory. Because we're not letting him in. And we're not letting our brothers and sisters in. So 
James 5.16 tells us to confess our sins one to another and pray for one another and we'll be healed. When we are open and honest with others in the body of Christ about our sin struggles in our lives and we pray for one another, we get healed. And the more we get healed, the more we're transformed. The worship team wants to go ahead and come up. So here's the thing, though. If others reject you or judge you, you can be secured in the grace of God, how he sees you. Who can be against you if he is for you? And if they are judging you or rejecting you, then you just probably need to pray for them, <laughs> right? Because they, they just haven't had a revelation of the grace of God yet. Because if they did, they wouldn't be judging you or rejecting you. They, probably, they don't even know for themselves probably. So you don't want to let that hinder you. Hinder your freedom, hinder your growth, hinder your transformation and all that God has for you. So what? Let them go. Pray for them. Go to somebody else. It hurts sometimes. It, do, it, will, it does hurt. There's no question. When people judge and reject you, it's hurtful. Then you go to somebody that, that, that knows how to love, and you, and you have them minister to you. In that place of prayer, you go, oh, I said this thing, and this person judged me. And you go to the Lord. And he helps you. Um, so we confess our sins, pray for one another, we'll be healed. The prayer of a righteous man or a woman is powerful and effective. We need each other battling with us, particularly in the areas of sin and struggle that, that we've been, you know, like we've had for so long that we're like, I don't, even think, I don't think I can even get rid of this thing. And, and we've tried to, like, we've tried to overcome it ourselves. And so, and we we'll also just think, oh, I can't say that. I cannot say that. There's so much shame around those secret sins. There's just so much shame and hopelessness. But I'm telling you, those are the places more than anything else that we need to bring into the light. Because you know what happens in the light? Darkness flees. Darkness can't stay where there's light. But when you've got a sin struggle that's in the dark, the temptation is always pull harder. The lies are always more convincing. The shame is always bigger. The hopelessness is always greater. But something happens when you put, when, when, you, when you tell a brother or sister what, what's going on, put it on the table in front of them. It just starts to wither. It does. I'm telling you, it does. It's like bacteria. You know, they grow in like warm, dark places. Open them up to the light. It just starts to die. It starts to die. You just keep putting them in the light until it dies. You just keep putting it in the light until it dies. It'll die. So don't underestimate the power of transparency and authenticity. Humility is really what it is. There's humility in that. And we lay down our pride. We say, this is, this is where I am. This is the real me. And, and we let others battle with us. They can't battle for you. Don't know what's going on. 
But there's power. There's power in prayer. So, I want to pray for you. God, thank you. Thank you, Father. You are holy. You're holy and good, righteous and just. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for covering us, covering all of our sin. We don't have to cover it. You've got it covered with your blood. Thank you for the judgment-free zone that we live in on this earth. Lord, we know there'll be a judgment day. God, we, we trust in you for that day. We trust in your grace for that day. And God, we trust in your grace now. And Lord, I just ask for freedom. Lord, that you would free us from fear of judgment shame, rejection, because it's not your character. (laughs) Your character is grace. So Father, I ask Jesus, would you reveal the reality, the depth, how long and how high and how wide and how deep is your love for each person here, God? Will you release, God, will you help one chapel, all of us, Lord, to to have this culture of grace where we are fully known and we're fully loved, Lord, and we fully know others and we fully love them with your grace. So in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I break the power of pride over this place. And if you agree with me, just say amen. And in the name of Jesus, I break the power of shame over this church here right now, over one chapel and over all of your church in the name of Jesus. If you agree with me, say amen. Thanks for joining us today. If God is doing something in your life or you're looking for ways to get connected, you can learn about groups, teams, and more at onechapel.com welcome. You can subscribe to future messages from One Chapel on your favorite podcast player. And of course, you're always invited to services every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11.30. See you next time. We love to pray for you. It delights them when you come up for them to pray for you. They want to battle with you. They want to do battle with you and whatever you need. Whether it's a sin struggle or you can be done with it today. You can bring in light and you can experience the first time. It's glorious. It'll be the best thing ever happened to you. Or if you want to come have them battle with you for a physical thing or a relational thing or a financial thing or something for somebody else who you're loving and they need some of Jesus, come. Let them join you. There's power in that, people. There's power. So come and let them pray for you. And we're going to worship the Lord because he's so good, isn't he? Isn't his grace good? His grace is good. Thank you, Lord.